when James wrote his letter, he was speaking to a group of people who were being persecuted for their faith. They had been forced to leave their homes, their family, their country. Loved ones had been killed, livelihoods destroyed. And these are some of the words that he says to them. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Probably the last thing that they wanted to hear. But he was speaking to a community whose lives had not only been changed by the people around them, but more importantly, whose lives had been changed by God's word. And he was trying to get them to see that there was another way to live. All of us can probably recall times when we were quick to speak and not quick enough to listen, to hear the whole story. Some of the most hurtful things that we have said or that have been said to us have usually been said in situations where those involved have become angry all too quickly. You could say that the phrase, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry, encapsulates a whole anger management strategy. And I'll leave that thought with you, as for a few moments I want to focus on just one of those words, anger. Anger is one of the most destructive forces around, both for the person who is angry and for those they focus their anger upon. There was once a boy who had a bad temper. When he got angry, he usually said or often did something very hurtful. It didn't matter who it was, family or friends. So naturally, he didn't have that many friends. But he told himself, well, that just shows you how stupid most people are. As he grew, his parents became more and more concerned and they worried about what he might say or do. They worried that he always seemed to be angry, miserable and tense. They didn't know what they should say or do. Finally, his father had an idea. He gave him a bag of nails and a really big, heavy hammer. And he said to him, whenever you lose your temper, I want you to take a nail out of the bag and hit it into the oak boards of the old fence out the back. Hit that nail as hard as you can and as far into that board as you can. Of course, the weathered oak boards and the old fence were almost as hard as iron and the hammer was actually very heavy. So it wasn't nearly as easy as it first sounded. Nevertheless, by the end of the first day, the boy had driven in a fair number of hole, nails into the fence. And gradually, as the weeks passed, the number of nails got less and less, because it seemed that holding his temper proved to be easier than hitting the nails into the fence. Finally came the day when the boy didn't lose his temper at all, and he felt really proud as he told his parents. To celebrate your success, his father responded, I want you to pull out one nail. In fact, you can do that each day that you don't lose your temper. Well, many weeks passed and finally one day the young boy was able to proudly tell that all the nails were gone. 
At that point, the father asked the son to walk out to the fence with him and take one more good look at it. You've done really well, he said, but I want you to notice the holes that are left. No matter what happens from now on, this fence will never be the same. Saying or doing hurtful things in anger produces the same kind of result. There will always be a scar. It might grow fainter, but the mark will still be there. And a verbal wound can be just as damaging as a physical one. We all struggle with moments of anger, whether we are faced with a small annoyance or overwhelmed by some situation that we find ourselves in. But have you ever thought that there might be a right way to express ourselves? And that right way is that we don't lash out and hurt other innocent people around us in the process. And that what we say and do doesn't turn anyone away from God. James reminded us that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Or said another way, if your anger is all about you retaliating, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. When we read Jesus' story in the Gospels, you will never find him angry when something was done against him. For instance, during his trial, one of the most unjust trials ever, he never said a word. But he did become angry. He became angry when he saw indifference to human suffering or when he saw God's reputation being abused. On those occasions, he was moved to action, whether it was healing someone on the Sabbath or clearing the temple of the money changers. Someone once said, our anger, if truly righteous, will be mingled with grief. And when we read about Jesus' anger towards the religious authorities of his day, we are told he was deeply saddened by the hardness of their hearts. So yes, we can be angry. Angry at injustice. Angry for the right reasons. Because that kind of anger is called righteous anger. That's when we are moved to anger because of an injustice or particular evil in the world. It could be directed towards ourselves or others. What we know is that it's contrary to God and what he would want. And so we should put all our energy into doing something about it. Justified, controlled, focused anger is the sort of thing that leads people to undertake great tasks like working towards the abolition of modern-day slavery or campaigning against dictators or fighting against drug smuggling or people trafficking, poverty, torture of prisoners, 
domestic abuse, food poverty in their communities. The Greek philosopher Aristotle said this about anger. It's easy to fly into a passion. Anybody can do that. But to be angry with the right person, to the right extent, and at the right time, and with the right object, and in the right way, that is not so easy. And it's not everyone that can do it. But as followers of Christ, it is how we are called to live out God's word. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. As we go into this week, may we take these words with us, and may they move us to action, and may they help us control our tongue when needs be.